Welcome to the IC Disc Show. Interviews with business owners, industry leaders, and tax experts sharing how the IC Disc can benefit your bottom line profits. Check out the show notes at icdiscshow.com. This show is brought to you by the IC Disc Alliance. Discover how the premier IC Disc consulting firms support you at icdisc.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray, and welcome to another episode of the IC Disc Show. My guest today is Brian Schwamm. Brian is a principal and the National Managing Director of International Tax at WTP Advisors, along with Export Advisors, are the two founding members of the IC Disc Alliance. And the IC Disc Alliance was formed to help the premier firms in the IC Disc world to collaborate to even better serve their clients. In this episode, we talk primarily about how we work with CPA firms, the different options we have with the ultimate goal of being able to be a partner for the accounting firm so that they can best do what they do best and we can really support them on the IC disc. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on the the YouTube channel and the podcast. My pleasure, Dave. I'm looking forward to having a discussion with you today. So you were on a, an episode of the IC Disc Show a few months ago, but why don't we, for folks who didn't listen to that, why don't we just take a, just a quick minute and tell me a bit about your background? Do you actually know anything about the IC Disc? Is this all brand new to you? Tell me a bit about your background. When did you get into the disc? Are you like Never. a carpenter that does some disc work on the side? Just give people a sense of your background. Yeah. Okay. Well, never seen a disc before. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I actually started working with the disc all the way back in 1987 when I joined Ernst & Winnie after law school and did a little bit of work with it for years and not never a lot because there weren't a lot of them around. Then in 2003, with the Bush tax cuts, bringing in the qualified dividend income, it was like the disc that was on life support suddenly was taken off life support and it became a, a very viable tax planning tool. So I've been working you know, extensively in the disc area since 2003 you know, with, with lots of different uh, clients doing lots of different planning. In some cases, you know, C-corporations paying deductible dividends to their shareholders but in most cases, it's pass-through entities trying to take advantage of the qualified dividend rate and converting ordinary income to qualified dividend income. And probably over the years since 2003, I've worked with many companies and done thousands of calculations and filed thousands of returns. And uh, knock on wood, I've never heard from the IRS really on any of them. So that's good news from a sustainability standpoint and also from a you know a standpoint where the taxpayer can can really rely on on, on the tax savings that they're getting so sure. yeah I have a little I have a little bit of experience okay and I, and not only that I think isn't your undergraduate degree in accounting yeah so I have an undergraduate degree in accounting I have a law degree so I understand the theory I understand the numbers I kind of understand all of it, which makes me probably a little bit unique compared to other providers that uh, might 
have one or the other background or neither for that matter, as it is the Wild West we've heard. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know what everybody's doing out there, but I know that you know, I have a very strong understanding of the technical rules and I also have a strong understanding of the, you know, the numbers and how they okay. flow through a return and what happens when there's a transaction by transaction study and why that increases the benefit. And so I have kind of have it all. And which does make me unique, I think. Okay. Well, I think you're unique and that's why you've been my go-to, you know, one of my go-to technical resources for, you know, more than a decade. So yeah, I've always enjoyed working with you and your team. So really this, this video today is focused on kind of giving some insight and education to CPAs who maybe have a disc or two that they're doing that maybe wonder if it would make sense to outsource that instead of doing it themselves or the CPA who's contemplating maybe their first disc. They have a client who is a candidate for a disc and they're trying to figure out if they want to keep that work in house and learn how to do it or outsource that. So I guess based on your experience and I'm sure you know, a lot of your business comes as, you know, being introduced from the CPA, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, almost exclusively the disc practice that we manage is a referral from a CPA to their client. Uh, it's, it's a very small percentage where it's a, a direct relationship with a company that we don't have anything to do with the CPA as well. So yeah, that's, part and parcel to the relationship is having a good working relationship with the CPA and working collaboratively with them to bring the value to their clients. Yeah. And so, and so that brings up my first question. So why do you think these CPAs outsource this work instead of doing it themselves? I mean, what's the feedback? I think they want to make sure that it's being done right. Number one, and they want to make sure their client is being well served. Number two, and number three, I think they want to make sure that their client doesn't feel the need to leave them and go somewhere else to somebody else who claims to have the expertise or specialization to do the disc work. And so, in that way, by outsourcing the disc work to us while still maintaining that overall working relationship, I feel like it's the best of all worlds for everybody. The client is happy. Client is getting world-class disc service. CPA doesn't have to worry that they're doing it right or wrong and or not maximizing the potential benefit for their client. And the CPA can focus on the things that they do well and, mm-hmm. and not something that they're dabbling in I mean, I get lots of questions, for example, from people like, hey, do you do R&D credit studies or do you do cost segregation studies or do you do tax returns? And I have to say to them, sorry, I don't do those well enough to do that for you. Even Mm -hmm. if it's a simple 1040 individual return, which seems like anyone should be able to do it, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I feel Mm -hmm. comfortable doing what I do, which is international tax and the disc work, but something that I consider more mundane, like what's the depreciable life of a computer? I can't answer that because that's mm-hmm. not what I do. And I think everyone's always 
best served when, you know, the specialist is providing the advice on a particular specialized area. Yeah, I would say brain surgery is easy for a brain surgeon. Right. And, you know, and then I hear people, oh, you really understand this stuff. You're so smart or brilliant or whatever. And I laugh to myself because, you know, when you hear that, it just, it's a little uncomfortable. But but then I say, well, yeah, ask me like how many years to appreciate a computer over and you'll see just how smart I am <laughs> uh, because I really don't know the answer. But, yeah, it's uh, really amazing. It's really amazing. Like when I have a contractor in our house, I usually like to watch them work, not to micromanage them, but I'm just amazed at how easy they make their specialty look. You know, it's easy for a plumber to do plumbing and a, you know, carpentry guy to do carpentry and an AC guy to do that. And I'm just blown away that they, how well they do it. And when I try to do something like that myself, Either I'm completely amazed that I was able to do it, or <laughs> I spend the time and money and effort doing it, and then I have to hire someone to do it right. Exactly, and worse, it might actually cost them more because it cost you more because you have to pay them to fix what you did wrong. Exactly. In, yeah. in the first place, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of. It just seems like we live in a specialized world, and uh, yeah, and I think the days of being a generalist and understanding everything—it's impossible. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the ways that we're set up uh, and structured to be able to help a CPA. And let's kind of talk about maybe the different uh, ways we can help. So why don't we start with the most right down the fairway scenario, a CPA who who works with us already has, say, three or four clients we do discs for, and they have what they think is an opportunity for you know, a new potential disc. Mm-hmm. Like I'd call this one of the scenario where they have the most confidence and experience working with us and they just want the client taken care of. Like what does that usually look like? Is it usually as simple as the CPA might just say, hey, Brian, hey, Dave, I've got this client that might be a fit for a disc. You figure it out. Let me know if it makes sense. So does it happen you know, that way sometimes for you, or is it usually like um, all with you, the CPA and the client? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily happen exactly that way. I mean, I think the CPA likes to be involved and mm-hmm. I want them involved, frankly, mm-hmm. because, you know, they are the main relationship driver with the client. The client trusts them. The client, if they say, hey, you know, we think you have an opportunity for a disc, we're bringing in Brian and Dave because we feel they're the most skilled at this to evaluate your situation and to implement this for you. I mean, that's a win-win. I mean, that's, that's a win for us. It's a win for the CPA and it's a win for the client as well, because sometimes I get calls and CPAs think their client's got a great profile for a disc. Well, it turns out they don't, but other times it turns out they do. And when they do, then we can really ferret that out and make the CPA look good in the process. I want them involved. I don't want, So I'm really not that comfortable with, hey, please call my client and talk to them about this without me being involved. Although it can happen. It's just not my preferred way to do it. Okay. I'd like, you know, I, but then everything that's done is still quote outsourced to us, so to speak. And, And so we're doing, you know, we would implement the disc. We would do everything associated with the disc. The CPA would be in the loop as far as knowing everything that's going on, but they're not 
responsible for doing any of it. And I think that is a, it gives a lot of CPAs a, a really you know peace of mind that they haven't missed something and it's being done right and their client is being you know treated appropriately and served appropriately and mm. they just don't have to worry about it. And yeah, not having and to I, worry, not having to worry about it is a huge benefit. Sure. And I find even when I have that call with a CPA and one of their clients who's considering a disc. That even if they end up not being a fit for a disc, I still try to position the conversation such that the CPA still comes off looking, you know, very good from the experience. It didn't work out like that. This specific one didn't work out, but hey, look, your CPA is amazing because most CPAs don't even know anything about a disc. They don't even think about this. So, like, kudos, and especially if it's a case for whatever reason. Many of my CPA referrals, they just tell me to call the client. They're not even involved. Isn't that interesting how different kind of styles? Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. But I guess it depends on the CPA firm and the size of the firm and and what, you know, what they're, how they're used to doing referrals. Sure. You know, so. so I guess the only conclusion I can draw is that the CPAs who refer me business just have far more confidence in my ability than they do yours. <laughs> Can you yeah. think of any other reason, Brian? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, no, but I mean, I like to drag them along so that they get credit. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, so even if they're just on the line listening, I don't want their client to forget that they're the ones that, that brought this to the table. Sure. So it's, sure. it's sort of like a silent way to still give them credit without them having to don't necessarily do anything. No. Just sit on the line and listen. But I think I think they appreciate that. But I also understand what you're saying, where some were like, look, go ahead and do it. I'm busy doing other stuff. I trust you. And absolutely that can work as well. And it has been the case from time to time. It's just not what I prefer. So uh, no, thank you for that. So now let's look at a scenario where the CPA wants to tap into our software technology, you know, IRS supported process calculations, but they want to really have us be more in the background. How does okay. Now in a situation like that, does mean does that mean we're just really set up to where we can't help the CPA at all? Or is there a way for us to help them if they still want to be kind of the primary Client well, facing I, resource. I think the answer is it, it depends. You know, okay. we, we're certainly set up to handle just about any any situation, but really it's driven by the CPA and how they want it to look. You know, there's situations where the CPA says, "Look, I want to license your software. I want to do it all myself. I don't really want or need you involved." So it's a it's not even you know it's white labeling you know under their label, if you will, and they're benefiting from our technology, but they're not really benefiting from anything else. Okay. Um, So we're just not involved at that point, other than the license, maybe some support on the software, but we don't have any contact with the client. Client doesn't necessarily know that we're involved. And it's probably for a larger firm that has some critical mass in the disk area maybe a large regional firm or something to that effect where they feel like 
look, you know, our clients expect us to have this expertise. We have the expertise. We just don't have the technology. So let's let us, you know, tap into your technology and we'll just take care of delivering the work to our clients ourselves. We have those situations and, and it works well. So our software is fairly, is, I like to say it's pretty user-friendly. And for a, you know, effectively a subscription to the software, they can do that. They can serve their clients, do their work, do their returns, do their calculations. And the client doesn't know who's doing it. They don't know that they're necessarily using our software. They think they're being served by their you know, large regional firm or national firm. Okay. So that is a good situation for that firm that feels like from a perception perspective that the marketplace expects them to have a disc practice. Yeah. And they, and they do have some you know, capabilities, but they don't want to reinvent the wheel on the software. You know, they're not software experts. They're used to licensing tax software. You know, they do it for you know other returns that they prepare. So it might be the next level up. Let's say somebody wanted more help than just licensing our software. What if they wanted us to use the software and us to do the calculation, but still to kind of be in the background? Okay. Yeah. So, so we're involved in those kind of situations as well. It's just a matter of certain responsibilities related to the delivery, you know, might be handled by the CPA. For example, they might want to collect the information that we need to do the calculations. They want the return signed by themselves, yet they don't want or can't, better words, can't, they can't do the calculations. They don't have the critical mass. They don't have the expertise, but they still feel like they want to be the ones that look like they're the ones delivering the work. And we absolutely are set up to do that as well. You know, the, I think the benefit to the client is they're, the client's getting a quality product because we're doing the work. Benefit to the CPA is, they, you know, they can look like they're doing it. That's something that's important to them. <clears throat> but general, I mean, I don't see a lot of that because generally speaking, if you're in a situation like that where you're delivering, you know, product A, but you're using another party to do it, you're supposed to disclose that to your client. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, some are fine doing it that way and they do disclose it. But at that point, you know, then my, my brain says, well, why are we even doing that? Why don't we just do it? You know, the original way that you and I talked about it because it's transparent. They know we're doing it. So why don't you just have us do it? Yeah. Cause I find it's a lot more efficient because otherwise, you know, if the client has a question on the return, and then the CPA has to call us to you know get the answer, and then we give them the answer. And yeah, and questions and answers lead to more questions <clears throat> a lot of times. So, you know, it's not, you know, it, it's a way we can work with a CPA firm. It's not, you know, it might be in their best interest to do it that way. It might not, but they it is an option that's available to them if that's what they feel is how they want to approach it. Okay. Yeah. So we definitely do that as well. And, you know, it's just a matter of divvying up some of the responsibilities differently between us and them. But we're still working together as a team and we're still being collaborative. It's just, how does it look to the client? Mm -hmm. That's really different. 
Now, the next scenario I have, and I think it's really maybe the last one, is, and this is something that I have, I've had more difficulty in being able to help the CPA in this situation. And I actually have an interesting story on this. So here's the situation. I've encountered this, you know, number of times, and I'm sure you have too. The CPA has a, I'm going to put this in parentheses, a disc practice because, you know, they maybe do two discs, three discs. They're not really the expert. They're not, and I'm going to actually break this into two types. They're not the expert. They know they're not the expert. They didn't realize a firm like ours existed, and they thought their only option would be to refer the client to like a regional or big four firm. And they didn't want to do that for fear of you know losing the client. So they kind of feel stuck or trapped with having to do the disc work. Now, what do you say when you come across a CPA like that where they're considering you know turning over that work that they have been doing? What might you say to give them you know kind of comfort with that? I think the message is, you know, I want you to be able to keep your client. You want to keep your client. You don't want to turn that work over to someone who might be a competitor and and you lose all the work. Really well served and your client's well served if you have us do that work because we're not going to compete for the other work that you do. We're going to be collaborative in serving your client and we're going to do whatever we can to make you look good in the process. And I think that's a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that that should resonate with a CPA that's looking to get out from that trap. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Now here's the variation of that. What do you do? What do you say or do to try to help the CPA who's in that spot where he's got three discs? And I've seen this before, but he has conveyed to the client that he not only is familiar with the disc and capable, but he's a world-class expert at the disc. He's like the very best at the disc. And then he discovers that he's really not. What, do you have any... Uh, How does he discover that? <laughs> does he discover that on his own or did he discover that because somebody has discovered that for him? Or let's how, does say he, it, how does he learn? <laughs> let's say it's because we get, we're referred to a company by, say, the banker who has a disc, we do a review, we see there's a lot of opportunity. The next step is the client wants to talk to the CPA. We talk to him, we try to delicately point out that, you know, there's some, shall we say, opportunities for improvement. The CPA is actually, you know, kind of logically open to that, but he's not quite sure how he he went from being the world-class expert to now having to call in another expert you have any silver bullet on how to other than don't tell your don't tell your clients you're an expert at something yeah if you really you know, I don't really have a silver bullet there that's the toughest of all situations i think more often i come across some, a variation of that where it's not hey there's some missed opportunity but there's some exposure mm-hmm. okay and, and that's even a little more delicate what's your example like of that exposure you may come well somebody may have been overly aggressive in how they apportioned expenses and they overstated the combined taxable income of the on the export sales because they let's say they said oh we have an export department so we're just going to allocate the expenses of that department 
but we have, you know, a CFO and we have a president and we have all these other people that aren't in that department and they just ignore those. Um, and that's really not the right way to go about that. I mean, you, you know, the, the expense apportionment rules are pretty clear. If something relates to nothing, it relates to everything. If you can't say it relates to something specific, it relates to everything. So, and that's something we often see where somebody doesn't apportion uh, enough expenses. They overstated the C- CTI and they're therefore have overstated the commission. Other times there'll be an inappropriate application of the no loss rule. And, and that's the opportunity side of it where someone said, oh, I limited your commission to your taxable income because there's a no loss rule, but that's not what the no loss rule says. And so you limited it, they limited it erroneously or it could have been a larger deduction. And so both of those are really tough situations. And I don't know that I have a silver bullet. I don't know that I know exactly the right thing to do or say. I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to make, I don't want to throw the CPA under the bus. Sure. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, no, uh, (laughs) because that's about all I can say is that's obviously what I don't want to do. I don't necessarily know exactly what the right approach is because you you want to definitely keep the CPA in a positive light. Sure. Uh, definitely, you know, want to get a, a good, as good an answer as possible for the client. So it's a really tough balancing act between those when you come across a situation with exposure or a situation with missed opportunity so I, you know, I always struggle with what to do in those situations. It's there's no clear cut way to to address it. I don't know. What about you? Have you had experience doing that? Yeah. So the one because so because a lot higher percentage of my clients come from non CPA referrals. Like a significant percentage of my clients come from other client referrals from mm-hmm. bankers. That a typical scenario is. We find somebody who's a great ICDS candidate, you know, $50 million a year of exports, real profitable, you know, could save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And they could have had a disc since 2003. I mean, right. They missed out on millions, tens of millions of dollars. And when the, when I'm talking to the prospect and they say, wow, this thing sounds like it really, you know, cause they're asking me to kind of quantify the benefit, potential benefit for say next year. And then, of course, you always get the follow-up question. Well, like, how long could I have been doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, well, you know, perhaps since 2003. And then, of course, that leads to a follow-up question. Well, does that mean my CPA dropped the ball? And that's the one that's tricky because, again, you know, we both have worked in the shoes of that CPA. We don't want to unnecessarily throw them under the bus, but we, you know, don't want to give a dishonest answer to our potential client. So what I usually will say is, hey, look, the DISC is really specialized. Very few companies benefit from it. You know, I think it's maybe only 1% of the companies you know, out there. And the CPA, just, you know, the tax code is so voluminous. State, federal, county, city, nobody can be an expert on everything. And then I might say, now, if you told me that he had never told you about accelerated depreciation, you know, something that you would expect every CPA to be familiar with that does any business returns, you know, then I might say, you know, something differently. 
So that's usually what I do. I try to, again, to protect the, uh, the CPA. Yeah. And that that's a little different fact pattern because there you didn't have a previous relationship with the CPA. It gets even more sticky, if you will, when it's a CPA you've been working with and they haven't had you involved with this client, but suddenly now they've asked you to look at this client <laughs> and you find that what they did wasn't necessarily right or it wasn't as advantageous as it could have been. Not that it was wrong necessarily. In some cases it is wrong, but then what do you do? And that's, I think that's a tougher situation because although I think a good and confident CPA is open to telling their client, look, you know, we didn't have the ability to do this T by T stuff, but there's technology out there we didn't know existed. We do know what we know, but turns out we didn't know as much as we thought we knew. and We didn't have the tools that others have. And really all we want to do is make sure that you get the best service and the best tax savings as possible. So we think you should work with these people to, to do that. But it's hard. I mean, there's no, it's always uncomfortable. It's not, you know, it comes up in all kinds of different situations and well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, my CPA said this or said that. And, you know, still the goal is not to alienate anybody. It's Mm -hmm. try to figure out a a way forward where everybody still, uh, still looks good in the process. And I Mm -hmm. think the idea that we have technology and we have processes that others don't have and really could never have, I think that's sort of the lever to, or to, that's the place to hang the hat to save face. Yeah. I think the confidence is important because I remember, you know, I really have not had much luck when I come across a CPA that's doing, you know, several disc returns already and it's done them for a couple of years or more. I've really not had much success in, uh, in persuading them or, educating them to the point that they want to stop doing those. And I don't know if it's just inertia or precedent, but I had this one CPA that I came across. I've known a long time. I was talking about, you know, the disc and how we can help. And he said, yeah, he goes, we have this client that we've, you know, we've done the disc for, I don't know, five, six years or something. And, and sure, why don't you take a look at it and you know, see if we missed something. And so we did look at it. I mean, without the client even knowing it. We looked at it. There was an ability to, I think, roughly triple the benefit. And, and so went back and gave him the findings. He goes, okay, well, you know, we need to have you go talk to the client and fix this. And I'm like, and I said, I'm not going to say his first name. We'll call him Bob. And I said, well, Bob, like, isn't that going to be an awkward conversation for you to have with your client? You know, because we were talking about actually amending mm-hmm. as well. And he goes, no, what's uncomfortable about it? I just tell him, hey, you know, you know, I'm your guy. I've saved you millions. You know, I've, I'm your guy. I've helped you for decades. And, you know, we're not an expert in everything. And these guys are. And, you know, I didn't know him three years ago. Or would have used him then? And you should start using him now. And it was interesting how the his confidence in the degree of control that he had over his clients and i don't mean control in a bad way but control of the relationship you know where he was not one of those who's in the spot of you know the clients always calling them complaining about the fees you know where he's just in this perpetual this was a guy who works with you know 
affluent individuals and physicians and business owners. And he's not the cheapest by far. He's mm-hmm. very good and he's very confident and he charges a, a lot. And his clients, I think a lot of it's because he's used to work with physicians and he's learned that when you work with a physician, that you have to take control and you have to let them know that you're, when it comes to ice, you know, taxes, you're God. When it comes to saving lives, <laughs> they're God. Yeah. Right. And, uh, right. Anyway, I'm off. On oh, no, I think that's a, that's a key point. How confident is the CPA in their relationship? That's mm-hmm. going to drive a lot of how you approach these situations mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And, you know, luckily most CPAs I work with have really good relationships with their clients and we don't have to have difficult conversations yeah. regarding, Oh, this wasn't done right. Or there's an opportunity here or whatever. I mean, one thing that I, you know, just came across recently was somebody I know that dabbled in the disc area. They retired and they told their client they should call me because he and I used to work together years ago. And so they called me and in the process of reviewing everything that had been done, I just said, look, you know, I don't know what he was doing, but I don't, we don't think he did this, that, or the other thing right. And, but boy, there's a lot of tax, there's some decent tax refunds available to you if you're interested in pursuing it. And that's all they wanted to hear. They didn't care that this other person didn't necessarily do it the most advantageous way or correctly or whatever. They were like, tax refunds? Okay, let's go. You know, mm-hmm. to quote to quote Tom Brady, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times that's all anyone really cares about. You know, like can I how much tax can I save? And they're not looking to throw a you know blame at anybody. Yeah, especially, you know, if it's if you're talking to the business owner himself, herself, you know, they're used to, you know, you make the best decision you can at the time, you get new information. You make a new decision, you know, you move on and uh, yeah, no, that's a good situation. So as we wrap up, I think the message that we would have to a CPA is we're a resource. We're going to do everything in our power to try to make you look good. And if for some reason there was some misstep, we'll do everything in our power to, to, you know, not accentuate that or to protect the CPA. We have, we have chosen to specialize in this area for decades. We've invested a lot of money in software and technology and processes. And because we have a very efficient process, we have you know, inherent excess capacity because of you know, automation and technology. And we're, we would be delighted to you know, to become a collaborator in whatever capacity makes the most sense for them, whether it's licensing the software, white labeling our work, and they sign the return to just, you know, turning it over to to us, to whatever involvement they want. Does that about summarize it? What did I, leave uh, I, I think that's an excellent summary. I can't think of anything you left out and I can't think of anything I would say differently. I think that you hit the nail on the head there. Okay. Well, let's wrap up then. If anybody wants to learn more, I would direct you to ic-disc.com, ic-disc.com. That's the website for the IC Disc Alliance. Brian and I are both founding members of that. 
And uh, you can reach out to us there and uh, or find us on LinkedIn, Brian Schwam, S-C-H-W-A-M, or David Spray. Any other party words, Brian? No, other than I saw the Astros won the game last night, so I'm, I'm rooting for the Astros. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. And how are the Packers going to do this weekend? That's anybody's guess, but hopefully they'll figure out a way to beat a bad football team. But, <laughs> uh, but they're not a good one themselves, so you never know. But you know, it's it's nice that we can joke about those things. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, saving taxes and working with the disc is more important than the Astros or the Packers. <laughs> Agreed. Well, hey, well, have a great day, Brian, and thanks for your time. Okay, Dave. Take care. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic-discshow.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.